This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, where they help you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. This segment is a good one because it's really giving you as much information as possible that one segment could about a consumer proposal. And don't feel bad if you haven't heard of what's a consumer proposal or how does it work, because this segment's going to answer those questions. And it's pretty enlightening and pretty interesting. We've got 10 great facts about consumer proposals that you might not have known. Um, I think it's a terrific segment, Blair. Thanks so much for including that in the show. You've talked before that consumer proposals are pretty popular debt solution for Canadians and uh, an alternative to filing a bankruptcy. Um, so let's talk about how many people are using consumer proposals in British Columbia. Yeah, you know, Elaine, I'm happy to give a couple of statistics. I know sometimes people can glaze over with too many statistics, but these ones are so powerful because sometimes can, people can feel like they're alone, the only people that have debt problems. In calendar year 2019, 140,858 insolvencies were filed across Canada, and of that amount, 60%, so more than majority, more than bankruptcies, were consumer proposals. So it is the debt resolution option of choice, and that's increased massively in the past number of years. When I became a trustee uh, over 10 years ago, it was maybe one in four people were filing consumer proposals. Now it's three in five people. So again, if you're seeing a trustee, uh, you're probably going to find out about a consumer proposal, and that might even be more attractive than a personal bankruptcy, which is what you, maybe you thought you were walking into. Uh, in BC last year, 11,000 consumers filed insolvency, 7,000 of those made a consumer proposal. So even a little higher than the national average. So we see guys gravitate towards consumer proposals. They're a great option for people to concern. And again, you're not alone. Over 7,000 of your BC neighbors did that last year. And what do you think the number one reason was that people chose a consumer proposal over uh, a bankruptcy? Well, the idea, first off, is that it's, it's not a bankruptcy. So, you know, nobody feels pride about having to go into bankruptcy, but a lot of people can feel some pride in staring down the toughest financial situation of their life, avoiding a bankruptcy and making a settlement that they could afford. So, you know, the first of our 10 items today is a consumer proposal allows you to consolidate your debts without borrowing. So put all of your debts together. You don't have to get a bank to approve you. There's no minimum credit rating. There's no cosigner required. You put all your debts together, um, and then you also reduce the amount to what you can afford. So you might owe $20,000, um, but you might be able to pay back $8,000. And oftentimes, that'll be acceptable to your creditors, and you just make those payments over time. You don't need to borrow the consolidated amount. Uh, you just pay it off over time working with the trustee. So that's just huge. It is huge. The other thing that's a bit scary uh, for anyone is looking at interest rates that are charged these days, especially on credit cards, et cetera, et cetera. So how does, how does a consumer proposal deal with that? Well, how does zero interest sound? That sounds pretty good, right? That sounds so, good. That sounds yeah. really good. Can when I get file, that now? <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, when you file a consumer <laughs> proposal, the day that you sign the document is the last day that you're charged a cent of interest. So regardless of whether it's a payday loan that might be several hundred percent interest, it's insane. If it's a credit card at 20% interest, or even if the government charges you interest on your taxes, when you sign a consumer proposal, you don't pay another dollar of interest. The debt stop growing. They stop moving away from you. And it's just a matter of how much can you 
you afford to repay on that amount, but no further interest gets charged. So that's just really powerful. Very, very powerful. Can you give us some um, ideas or facts about how you qualify for a a consumer proposal that people may not know? So some people think you have to be in just horrible financial shape. You have to owe $100,000 or more to consider a consumer proposal. The average person that files a consumer proposal, they owe in the range of about thirty dollars to $50,000 of unsecured debt. So it might be a student loan, some income tax debt, some credit card debt. Um, but you could file a consumer proposal with as little as $1,000 of debt. Now, most people don't file a proposal that for that small amount of debt. You might be kind of using a sledgehammer to crush a fly. Um, but oftentimes, people that have a five or $6,000 debt, but it's owed to a payday lender or a cash store or something where they know next year it's probably going to be double. They're filing consumer proposal these days to stop all the interest and to pay back what they can afford. So the minimum is 1000 The maximum is 250000 So even if it is a very dire situation, but you've got the income to be able to pay back, you know, maybe a third or a quarter of even a big number, a consumer proposal is a great option for you to consider. So it's very wide ranging, the amount of debt that can be included. Um, and again, you don't need to have a great credit rating or anything to qualify you just need to be able to show you're going to be able to make those those minimum payments got it what about income or an income cap yeah, there's no income cap when you do a consumer proposal. Now, the amount you have to pay back on your debts is driven by your ability to pay. So if I'm dealing with somebody who's earning $2,500 a month, uh, what they're going to pay back on their debt is a whole lot different than someone that's earning $10,000 a month. And believe it or not, we do have those clients. Sometimes the doctors, the lawyers, um, they can get in trouble just like everybody else. Um, so if you're filing a consumer proposal, your income is not a limit, um, but just be prepared that you're probably going to be able to afford to pay back more of the debt. So it might be you're going to pay back 60 or 70 cents on the dollar, or the best benefit's going to be the interest freeze. But either way, you're going to get relief on your debts, and you're not going to be precluded just because you're high income. And a lot of times, people might be high income now, but they say, well, I'm not sure if that's going to last. Um, So when you're in a consumer proposal, if you lock in a payment that's affordable now, if your situation does change, you can amend the proposal downwards to suit your new circumstances. Okay. So what about your assets? How do they play in a consumer proposal? And that's one of the major differences between a consumer proposal and a bankruptcy. In a bankruptcy, when you file a bankruptcy, you're theoretically going to surrender some assets. Now, most people don't have assets that they lose in a bankruptcy because, you know, furniture and clothing and tools of the trade are all exempt. Uh, But sometimes people have an RESP, for example, an education savings plan for their children. If they file for bankruptcy, that might have to be collapsed and paid to creditors, which is just heartbreaking for everybody involved, including the trustee. When you file a consumer proposal, you automatically keep all of your assets. So you making a proposal does not require you to surrender any assets. There's no vesting of assets in the trustee. Uh, You even continue to get your tax refunds as well, whereas if you had filed for bankruptcy, if you're going to get an income tax refund, that has to come to the trustee. If you're in a proposal, you keep control of all of your assets. All that's happened is that a trustee has stepped in the middle between you and your creditors and has worked out a reasonable compromise on what you can afford to repay, but your assets are free and clear and they're safe. You know, I know that we touch on so much good information in these segments, and and sometimes it can be a bit too much uh, information. But if you want to actually talk to somebody about your debt, ask your questions, even if you're not for sure that you need real help or or serious help at this point, but just want to run down or run through a few things and and get it checked out, give Sands & Associates a call, 1-800-661-3030. And as Blair mentioned already in these segments, 
you know, they're set up to deal with you on the phone, on the phone or in a video call, a video chat, uh, to just to, to suss out all the good information, um, so that you can move forward and hopefully feel better about your situation and with some hope involved. Um, what are some of the facts about different debts that can be consolidated within a consumer proposal? Does it include everything? Well, just about, Elaine. So it's easier to say what it does include than what it doesn't. Um, so just about every common consumer debt, like a credit card, an overdraft, a line of credit, you know, even a payday loan. Um, also government debt, so income taxes, student loans, even ICBC debt or MSP debt, not to throw too many acronyms, but I think most of our listeners know what those mean and they're generally not good. Uh, basically, any consumer debt that you have can be consolidated and reduced in a consumer proposal. And with these government debts that I've just mentioned, a consumer proposal is actually the only way for you to get a compromise on these amounts. So if you owe the government money for taxes, they're not going to agree to half payment and no interest over a period of a few years. They're going to say we want full payment with interest within six months. So when you access a consumer proposal, you're able to consolidate and reduce virtually all types of your debts. You know, the only exclusions that, that a and sometimes come up is things that you would think shouldn't be included. So things like alimony or child support or payments uh, where, you know, that's an obligation that no one should be able to reduce except for a court. But otherwise, any standard consumer debt can be reduced in a consumer proposal. And I just want to throw in here that a licensed insolvency a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one that can facilitate a consumer proposal, no matter what you've heard or who tells you what. Really important to remember as you listen to these segments and, and try to figure out the best course of action to take. What about the maximum of years that it takes to, uh, to pay off your debt or to, or to deal with it, Blair? Yeah, so this can be life-changing, Elaine, because a lot of folks, they've taken to looking at their credit card statements, and, you know, even $6,000 of debt can show a 40-year payment term at minimum payments. Uh, you know, that's not good for anybody other than the people that are collecting those payments. A consumer proposal, by law, it can't extend past five years. So if you do a proposal, let's say we reduce the debt to a third of what you owe, you're going to make payments of $200 a month over 60 months, say for 12000 on about a thirty-five dollars or $40,000 debt. You can take the maximum term of up to five years, um, or if things get better for you, you can start to pay extra. You can pay it off early with no penalty, but the maximum term is going to be five years, and most people finish their proposals within about two to three years, um, and their credit can start to rebuild very quickly thereafter. So it's not the never-never plan, make payments forever and never be out of debt. Uh, it's a plan that has a defined end date of when you will be debt-free, and you can accelerate that end date just by paying it off a little bit more quickly. And how does it impact, you mentioned credit, how does it impact your credit history doing a consumer proposal? Well, it's not as severe as a bankruptcy would be, but any time you don't pay your debts in full, your credit takes a hit. So a consumer proposal actually reflects the same as if you went to, say, a not-for-profit credit counselor and you agreed to pay off all the debt in full, but they got you a break on the interest down to zero. Now, with the proposal, you're going to get the interest down to zero, but you're not going to pay off all the debt. You're going to pay off maybe a third, a quarter, or something in that range. So what's going to happen with your credit rating is six years from the day you sign that proposal, it disappears off your record. So if you have a five-year proposal, a year after you finished your payments, it's like it never happened. And you can start rebuilding your credit almost as soon as the proposal is approved. Uh, we give you a couple counseling sessions that are very important. Um, you're going to talk about getting a secured credit card, about having the right financial habits. Um, that's going to help you rebuild your credit very quickly. Now, and we've just got just a little over a minute left in this segment. Are there a couple of more things that you want to make sure you mention on the consumer proposal, Blair? 
Yeah, I think the one thing that really surprises individuals, I often get this, this question, you know, either at the beginning or at the end of a meeting, is, well, how does a trustee get paid, and what's your fee on top of this? And the answer is there's no fee on top of what you can afford to offer in a consumer proposal. So if you're paying $200 a month as part of your proposal, that includes the trustee fees, that includes the filing fees, the counseling fees, everything like that. It's all set by government tariff. Every consumer proposal in Canada is the same, so you don't need to worry about getting a separate bill for service. It costs you nothing to explore the option. And once we work out a payment term, essentially your creditors are paying the cost, you're paying the trustee nothing extra. And the key is a licensed insolvency trustee. They're the only ones that are going to be able to facilitate this consumer proposal. So now that you've got the facts, you can get your own debt-free plan. Connect with an expert, a debt expert at Sands & Associates. Give them a call, 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to take some time right now to talk to uh, uh, a client of Sands & Associates, uh, Blair's, uh, Blair's good buddy, Bill. Yeah, so, so thank you for joining us today, Bill. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and Bill, you've been a client of the firm. We were we were just discussing that you know it was basically two two years from the day you reached out to us until today, and it's been you know in, in your words a, a bit of an incredible journey, a turnaround here. Um, definitely, that's the purpose of today is to give you a chance, you know, to share the experience that you've been to with the idea that it's going to help others who might be in a similar situation and are just scared to reach out for help. Wonderful. So I wonder if we could start, Bill, just you know, open ended. Could you tell us about the situation? You know, what you were facing when you reached out to us? Sure. Um, a few years uh, prior to my first contact with Sands, I was involved in a, uh, a recreational hockey accident where I was uh, hit from behind by uh, somebody playing ice hockey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in a lot of trouble and I had my first spinal cord surgery uh, that night. Wow. And I had my second spinal cord surgery uh, approximately six months later. And I um, just, uh, everything kind of sp- downworld spiraled from there. I was never had any problem paying my bills uh, pre- prior to that. I had a fantastic credit score and beacon score. And uh, as you can imagine, when you uh, have uh, those kind of surgeries and you're off work as long as I was, um, things happen. How old were you at that time, Bill? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so we're going to go back uh, <laughs> 45 years old, I guess. Okay, so you were out, I think you were telling me, Friday night recreational hockey game in front of the net, and suddenly your, your whole life changes with a cross-check, right? Yeah, I wish I was in front of the net. If I was in front of the net, <laughs> it wouldn't have been so bad. I was actually in the corner oh, God. Uh, playing for the puck, and uh, somebody decided they were going to cross-check me from behind head first, and that was it. Bill, how long did it take you uh, before you realized you needed some guidance and some help with this? Uh, how long did it take before you reached out? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Too long. I wish uh, that uh, the answer to that question is I waited almost three years to call Sounds and Associates because I was always that guy that wanted to pay these bills and I was always embarrassed and just wanted to do everything the right way uh, or what I thought was the right way. And uh, as it turns out, I was doing it wrong the entire time. So uh, three years after the accident, I finally was in such a bad place that I called John Manson at Sam's, and uh, the rest is history. Can I ask, Bill, what were the things that you did in those three years that you're probably being way too hard on yourself about, mm-hmm. but what, what were the kinds of things that you were doing to sort of stay above water? The paying everything, paying uh, Paying my bills, paying the interest on those uh, on those uh, credit cards and the debt, um, 
pawning stuff, mm. um, borrowing money from family and friends. It mm. was uh, it was very tough, and uh, things that uh, that in retrospect I should have never done. Right, but you did the very best you could with what you had at the time, and I I, I hate I don't like hearing somebody be so hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you reached out, and things turned around pretty quickly. Or can you talk about that process? Things changed instantly. I never received one more phone call from anybody I owed money to the moment that I signed the papers with the with Samson Associates. Uh, the process was so easy, and I was well informed of uh, what was going to happen, and uh, everything that I was told uh, happened exactly as planned. So, Bill, you, you mentioned John in our Surrey office, and you know definitely John's an excellent in, in terms of client service. Can you tell me a bit about you know your initial contact? You know, because people get very scared of that first meeting. Are they going to walk in to, to feel judged to someone who's going to examine in minute detail all of their their mistakes? Mm-hmm. Can you tell tell us about that initial consultation with John? Well, that's almost like you just described me because I I walked in thinking I was going to be judged or somebody was going to think that all of the debt was entirely my fault. Um, and uh, John was the complete opposite of that. He uh, listened to my story, and he uh, asked the right questions, and uh, in a matter of uh, a few days, uh, the process was in place, and the papers were signed to uh, to get the process started. Right. And, and what did you actually file, Bill? Are you comfortable sharing a bit of the details there? Absolutely. Yeah. I did a proposal. Mm-hmm. So uh, John gave me the differences, uh, told me the differences between a bankruptcy and a proposal and told me what his suggestions were of what uh, suited me best. And uh, after thinking about it for a day, I I agreed with him. And um, he told me exactly what was going to happen in the process, uh, how it was going to take place. And I just signed the papers and the rest was in his hands. And uh, um, exactly as promised, I never received one more phone call, one more letter, one more bill. I never received uh, anything. What was the thing that uh, that surprised you the most about the process, Bill? How easy it was. Mm. I wish I would have done it uh, back in 2012. Uh, to, to think that I waited three years to uh, have that burden released from me and that weight off my shoulders and my back, I was. Uh, I just felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. Right. And Bill, those words are just echoed with so many of the clients I see day after day. You know, we we take this so personal in, into our own character and we, we judge ourselves about it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, Bill, you know, from someone, if they're not familiar about a consumer proposal, you know, I explained it in a very you know technical trustee way, you know, from your perspective, what did the proposal do for you? What was your, your life before? Um, you told us, you know, the, the calls and all that stopped. But, you know, in most cases with the proposal, the debt is significantly reduced and you don't pay the interest. So I'm curious of the arrangement that was able to be worked out. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact numbers. It's so long ago now, but uh, whatever whatever it was, uh, it was immediately, I felt like every single month all I was paying was interest on all of the credit cards and all of the debt. It instantly became one single payment that was completely manageable and was not something that had me worried and keeping me up at night. Um, I knew that the payment, the one single payment, the negotiated uh, payment was going to come out at a certain day of the month. It was paid to SANS, and SANS took care of everything, and it was so easy. 
Yeah, and, and Bill, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you describe the proposal payment that way. You don't remember how much it was or what you saved, but you remember that it fit into your budget. And that's, you know, very core when a, when a trustee does a consumer proposal. We have to make sure this is going to fit in the person's budget. They're going to be able to perform it. It's in everyone's best interest here. So, and I find when I sit down with folks, if we add up what they're paying in interest each month, almost every case, the proposal is a lower payment than what they're actually already paying. And the proposal has an end date. You're going to be done this in, you know, three, four, five years at the most. Whereas if you're paying interest, you're probably on the never-never plan and you may never right. pay it off, right? Exactly. And I can't believe how fast uh, time has gone by so quickly. Uh, we're only a few years into it now, and uh, the um, I've only got a couple of years left until I'm completely released of, uh, of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that uh, my, my obligation to sense, and then I will be completely whole. But so much has changed in that two years. I'm already in a much better place and much better off than I was uh, the very first day that I, I met John. Bill, can you talk about uh, the kind of new habits or attitude that you have that you didn't have before when it comes to your finances? Absolutely. I'm saving money. <laughs> I've got uh, money in the bank, and uh, I've got them um, going on vacation uh, next month going down to Mexico for a week, and uh, that's just uh, would have been unheard of uh, a few short years ago. And it must feel very um, that you're doing things with ease as opposed to with anxiety now. I'm doing things uh, that I've, that uh, within uh, common sense and reason, I'm doing things that I want to do, and I'm still just keeping in mind that I have obligations uh, to, uh, to take care of from Sands and I'm getting my credit back mm-hmm. for the first time in years. Um, my credit score is rising again. And uh, if if, uh, if you don't mind, can I entertain you with a, just a quick story about a credit card very quickly? Yeah, Bill, I was actually going to ask you that, that question just, just next. So it's, so it's perfect because, you know, when people come in to talk about a proposal and definitely for a bankruptcy, they come to the conclusion before they walk in the door that they'll never get credit again, right. that they're going to be, you know, destroyed on a, on a long-term basis. Um, and, you know, I can tell you what the law says. You know, the law says after you finish your proposal for a couple of years after that, it's still going to show in your credit report. But I know people rebuild their credit far sooner than that. And now, Bill, you haven't finished your proposal yet, but I know you got a good story to tell here. Right. I still got a few years left, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, going to be fantastic. But uh, in my first couple of meetings with John, that was besides the embarrassment and the stigma attached to what I thought I was doing wrong. Um, I was uh, mentioning to John Manson at uh, Sands that I'm worried that I'm never going to get credit ever again. And he told me uh, that he has a, a few uh, ways that he uh, knows that I can establish my credit again. And within a very short period of time, I had a, a, a secured credit card, mm-hmm. uh, which had a, a manageable uh, balance on it, which uh, I understood was just going to be temporary. And John and I have kept in contact over the last few years. And he mentioned to me, uh, the next step is to, to just pay your bills on time. And in, a, in a, a matter of time, you'll be able to apply for another card. And uh, I guess maybe a month, month and a half ago, it was that I had that date circled on my calendar that John told me to uh, make the call. And I called up the, um, the credit card company and I said I'd like to apply for a credit card and uh, held my breath. And uh, a few days later, I got a letter in the mail saying that uh, I've been authorized for a, another credit card, my second one now, and it now has a $5,000 uh, credit limit. So within a very short period of time, I've, I've gone from owing tens of thousands of dollars to now having a, a non-secured credit card with a $5,000 credit limit that uh, I'm free to use whenever I want. 
Now, is there has your attitude or has your uh, how you operate with that credit card is that different than it was before, Bill? Like, wh- what's the change now? Yeah, no, I'm still very, very careful with my money. I'm just uh, very cognizant of the fact that uh, you never know what's going to happen uh, in life. And I've now the difference between now and before. I've got a nest egg of some savings in the bank for a rainy day, so I'm I'm just being very, very careful and. And it's good to be able to just go out and just spend what I want uh, within reason, right? You've been so honest uh, in this interview, Bill, about the the things that you're so grateful for and appreciative of and, and the, the action that you've taken. H- have you got any more words of advice for folks who may be listening and, and really what your story is resonating with them and they're hesitant to do something or to take action? Is there some advice you can give to those people? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to just be very honest. Uh, John Manson at uh, the Surrey office um, literally saved my life. I don't know where I would be uh, today if I wouldn't have walked into his office and had that first initial conversation. So um, Sands and Associates uh, did exactly what they told me they were going to do. So my words of advice, if, if there's anybody out there that feels like their life is spiraling, that uh, their debt is out of control, uh, whether it's uh, for th- their own fault or within, without, uh, uh, um, in my situation where it was uh, with, uh, not within my uh, ability to pay because of an accident, uh, you owe it to yourself, to your family, to make a quick call, to have a consultation, and just to uh, have an honest opinion of where you're at. And I think you're going to be very, very surprised about uh, where you are. Bill, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, tell us your story. It's so important. Any, you know, There's so many pieces that someone might hear and go, oh boy, that sounds like me, or that sounds like somebody I know that could, could get some help there. So I so appreciate that. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. Uh, I'm Elaine Scott, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. For any information, any more information, please don't hesitate to go to the website sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. So we're talking about debt and and how to take it on and how to figure it out. And I know as soon as someone hears the word debt, often bankruptcy is the next thing they think of. And that's what this segment's going to be all about. Lots of folks consider legal debt solutions and personal bankruptcy as sort of their last resort. And this segment's all about Blair's getting an opportunity to explain some of the situations where filing personal bankruptcy might be your best solution. And I have a feeling, Blair, that a couple of people are looking at the radio going, what? My best solution? How How does that work? How does that work? Right. It's so interesting, Elaine, because it's a word that has so much emotional connotations and, you know, bankruptcy. It's a word sometimes when I use it in a meeting, I can just see people's, you know, they suddenly they, they stiffen up or, you know, their face falls or, or something like that. There's just so much emotion that's that's kind of built into it. And a lot of it seems to be based on a flawed understanding of how the process actually works, you know, how difficult it is, you know, even to qualify for how, or to get through. Uh, and people tend to lose sight. You know, a lot of people think, well, bankruptcy is the end of my life. It's a death. Um, the other way to look at it is bankruptcy is the start of your new life. It's a new beginning. It's a rebirth. It's a chance to start over, unburdened by all the debt that's really been causing you problems, probably for a series of years. 
So there's no one that walks into my door, you know, yesterday they figured out they've got a debt problem and tomorrow they're going to file for bankruptcy. You know, it's usually a longer term process. They went through a lot of thinking and considered options. But in some cases, doing a segment like today can really shortcut some of that, you know, consideration or dithering or just not sure about what it entails. There are some situations where a bankruptcy just makes a whole lot of sense um, and people would benefit from taking that step sooner rather than suffering for so long. And what kinds of questions and information do you start to look at when somebody walks in and starts talking about their problem? Yeah, what we're really trying to understand, Elaine, is to get a sense of the whole situation, the whole person, um, understanding that not one size fits all in every situation, and each person requires, you know, a tailored outcome that's going to get them to the best result. So when someone comes in to meet with us, you know, we start off with some pretty basic questions. We try to understand why you're here. So, you know, what caused you to book the meeting with us? Is there a specific debt issue that you're dealing with or a goal you're trying to meet? Are you looking to consolidate your debt? Are you trying to lower your monthly payments? Uh, are your wages being seized right now? Are your assets at risk and you need to take some drastic action? Or is it just a case you've been making monthly payments for a long time, you're looking at your credit card statements and it's telling you the next 30 or 40 years your debts are, that's, that's what it's going to take you to pay off even just a few thousand dollars on a credit card and you know you need to do something different. So when you sit down in that meeting, we'll try to understand your objectives first, and then we'll assess your situation. So we'll need to fill in all the blanks so we can provide you some good advice in terms of understanding who do you owe money to and approximately how much. We don't need to know down to the penny, but, you know, having a good sense, you know, I owe these five credit cards or I've got a student loan bill or a tax bill or something like that. That helps us understand well, what's the size of the debt issue. You need to understand what's your monthly income. So is it the case that there's really no money left for debt payments after the rent's been paid? groceries are paid, the kids are taken care of, or is there some ability to make payments, just not at the amounts that they want you to, and certainly not at 20 or 30% interest. Uh, we need to understand the household situation. You know, are there kids involved? Are you taking care of maybe elderly family members that are a financial and, and uh, you know, emotional drain that might be, be as well? Uh, and then are there any other regular household expenses that are constraining the, uh, constraining the household and maybe impacting your ability to make debt payments? So we really want to look at the budget in detail. And then we want to understand, okay, if we've got a sense of the debt outcomes, uh, a sense of your objectives, then we can start to look at what are the right solutions. And in certain situations, personal bankruptcy is a really good solution to get somebody out of debt. But I like the fact that you did put an S on the end of that word solution, because that isn't just the only way to do it. Oh, absolutely, Elaine. You know, by law, a trustee is required to review with you all of your legal options for dealing with debts. You know, some of them just won't apply right off the top, but there's at least six, maybe seven things, you know, just about anybody could do to deal with their debts. You know, everything from taking no action to trying to negotiate informally to trying to consolidate the debt, all those, those things people would know, uh, to things that are available through a trustee, like a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. You know, we've just went through five of the options here, and typically we'll take them through a few others as well. So it's no foregone conclusion, you walk into a trustee and we've got the signature pen ready to sign the bankruptcy documents, we're going to look through every alternative. If bankruptcy is the right option, it'll be after we've eliminated other potential alternatives. Okay, so let's go straight to bankruptcy then. When is bankruptcy the best solution for the person? You know, again, there's a number of factors. Probably the, the biggest one uh, relates to income. So if it's a case that your income is low or it's uncertain. 
So again, as we, we alluded to earlier, if there's just no money really available to make a settlement offer to your creditors, even paying them part of the debt isn't going to be possible or a meaningful portion. Uh, you know, that's generally a good indication. Well, maybe bankruptcy is going to be your right, your correct option if you can't make a reasonable settlement on your debts. Uh, if your income fluctuates considerably, so some people that are self-employed, you know, maybe their income isn't documented necessarily, um, or they just wouldn't be able to meet lender standards to consolidate, you know, that can be a bit of a challenge as well. Uh, Much of the bankruptcy process, it's not based on the amount of your debts, it's based on your income, and bankruptcy is significantly less expensive if somebody's income is low. So regardless of the amount of the debt, it could be, you know, again, $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars, something like that. Uh, If someone is low income and they file a bankruptcy, and low income in the province of BC means a single person earning less than about $2,200 a month after taxes, bankruptcy runs for nine months, and they're required to just pay the cost of the bankruptcy, which is $200 a month for nine months. So it's a pretty significant reduction, usually, as to what they would have to pay on their debts. So if income is low, bankruptcy is often your cheapest and your quickest means of dealing with the debts. Okay. What about if you happen to be low income, but you've got some assets? Mm-hmm. Bankruptcy tends to be more of an attractive situation um, if you have few assets that might be surrendered. Now, if you're low income, you are allowed to keep certain assets if you file for bankruptcy. The government puts in certain exemptions. So someone who's low income might think, you know, I can't go bankrupt because I've got a bunch of furniture, I've got some clothing and medical aids, and I've got a vehicle and things like that. Most of those assets, if not all of them, would be fully exempt if you filed for bankruptcy. Now, where you might not consider a bankruptcy is if you have some assets that would not be exempt. So if you've got, you know, a TFSA, uh, tax-free savings account, or an RESP, an education savings plan for your children, if you file for bankruptcy, those assets might have to be surrendered. So bankruptcy can make a whole lot of sense if you have few assets that you would not have to surrender in a bankruptcy. If there are some assets that might have to be surrendered, you might think twice about the procedure. But that's the whole point of coming to see a trustee is to review in detail what are your assets and how are they going to be treated. Okay. What do lenders consider or do they consider any of this kind of stuff? Well, lenders take, tend to take a look at your credit rating, your income, and your assets. What they don't tend to really take a close look at is your monthly budget. So if you're trying to consolidate and go for a consolidation loan, most of the time the people that I see, they're turned down on those unless they've got an asset that they're able to essentially pledge to a lender. So the lender just cares are they going to be able to essentially have some security to get paid back? Uh, that's a big difference from a trustee. So if a trustee is going to assist you with your debts, we have to review your budget in detail. We have to assess what reasonably you're able to pay back on the debts. And we're prohibited from putting forth any solution that's going to make you, uh, you know, in a worse financial situation than when you began. So a lender doesn't have to care about your budget. They're more concerned about, your obje- about their objectives. Uh, with a trustee, they have to look closely at your household budget and make sure whatever they do can fit within that. Okay. Now, can we move on from bankruptcy just in the last part of this segment, just a bit, and talk a little bit about when you'd consider a consumer proposal over a bankruptcy? Yes, absolutely. So a consumer proposal for anyone who's listened to the show for a long period of time would know it's the best alternative to help you avoid bankruptcy where you make a settlement on your debt. You pay back usually a quarter to a third of the debt over a period of up to five years, usually a bit shorter than that. So the biggest situations where a consumer proposal uh, would tend to make a whole lot of sense for you is if you have the ability to make those payments. So if you were to look at your debts and say, you know what, I owe $20,000, I definitely can't pay that back, but I could pay back seven 
$10,000. If I did that, you know, at $150 a month over a period of maybe 50 months, um, you know, I'd be able to make those payments. So you can do the math pretty quickly in your head. And if paying off a third of the debt seems like something you can reasonably do, a consumer proposal can make a whole lot of sense. A big benefit to a consumer proposal is that your assets, by definition, are going to remain yours. So even an RESP uh, or a TFSA that you might have lost otherwise, if you file a consumer proposal, you're going to keep possession of all of those assets. So if you have the ability to make some payments on the debts, but you can't afford to make the payments in full as they're asking for, that's when a consumer proposal can be a great alternative to a bankruptcy. So if this information is resonating with you and you want to take some action, give Sands & Associates a call. They've got a 1-800 number. It's 661-3030, 1-800-661-3030. Get that free consultation. Check out their website. It's chock-a-block full of great questions and answers. And that's sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. So this is a great segment. Uh, it's all about figuring out who to talk to in order to move forward. Who you and call. Who you call. Who do you call. <laughs> you. Uh-huh. But, but, I mean, the thing is, not always, right? There's some mm-hmm. people out there that can give you some assistance, uh, but then there's some people who can't do anything that a licensed insolvency trustee can do. And that's what this is about. Um, so let's talk about the different types of debt help professionals because we get inundated with ads uh, from all sorts of people telling mm-hmm. us that they can do a lot more I don't want to say that they actually can't do, but they infer that they can and, and mm-hmm. they actually can't. Yeah, it, it's a really murky um, area of, of the of the you know financial system here in that a lot of people, when they find themselves really looking for debt help, they don't know what's out there at all. And they suddenly have to put together, you know, this map of, well, this person can help with this and so on and so forth and what's real and what's reputable and what's just a claim that they can't back up. So today's segment hopefully will give people a good grounding that if they're having a difficulty or someone in their family is having a difficulty, here's the potential avenues they might go down and some, you know, upsides, downsides for each. Okay, good. Let's start with the lenders. Yeah, so in terms of lenders, so we'll just talk kind of you know about each in general first. So in terms of a lender, if you're having trouble with your debt, you typically go um, to a lender to try to borrow your way out of the situation. That's what got you into it was borrowing some money, so let's try to get out of it. And typically by doing the same thing, and typically that's by the means of a consolidation loan. So the new lender is going to pay off the individual creditors that you owe, and then you'll owe the new lender for the combined balance um, plus the interest charged. So the benefit to you typically is that you're going to pay a little bit less interest and you're going to have some financial simplicity. You're not going to be spending your money, you know, 10 or 15 different ways and with different due dates and maybe missing payments here or there just because it's all so complicated. You're going to have one payment each month. You're going to pay off that consolidation loan over time. And ideally, it's going to save you a little bit of money. Okay. Now you included payday loan companies in that in that first one as lenders. Yeah. So you know there's subprime lenders, there's payday loan companies. So oftentimes people will go to these um, these types of outfits to try to solve a financial problem. But the challenge there is just the cost and the interest being so high. So it's not something just because we're talking about it doesn't mean I endorse it. I don't. Um, but for a small short term situation, if you know you could pay off um, a payday loaner cost and the amount of something that's not extreme, it could still mean you know something. That that's worth exploring. Okay, but that's the key there, is you've really got to research them. Read every 
every letter of that fine print Mm -hmm. because we talked about some pitfalls last month and they were scary when there was like, uh, you know, the subbing, the subcontracts and stuff. Oh yeah, there's brokered cash loans where your interest charges are, you know, three times higher than they should be by law, but they split it into a brokerage and a not. So um, yeah, be careful if you're not dealing with one of the major banks, you know, the specialized types of finance houses, typically you're paying a whole lot of costs. Okay. Debt settlement agents. Mm -hmm. Now this was something I saw a whole lot more, maybe three to five years ago, a little less, but if you're Googling online, um, looking for ways to get out of debt, you will still find that this service exists. And what happens with a debt settlement agent is that they negotiate individually with each creditor and they try to achieve a settlement of the amount that you owe for some fraction of the total amount. So typically, if you sit down with a debt settlement agent, they'll say, okay, you owe five people money, stop paying all of them right now and start putting the money that you would have been paying to them into a separate fund where you're going to pay some fees to me as the debt settlement agent. And then I'm going to work with these people that you owe money to, to try to get them to accept from you, you know, maybe a year or two from now, some reduced amount, you know, maybe 50 cents on the dollar, 70 cents, 30 cents, who knows. Um, But through that whole time, your credit rating is taking a big hit. You're not making any payments to anybody. They might be calling you, harassing you. You've got no protection whatsoever. And then the reason why I don't see debt settlement very much anymore is that oftentimes it wouldn't work at the end of the day. The person would save up for years and years. They pay the fees to the debt settlement agent, the debt settlement agent would go to the creditor or the credit card company and say, hey, here's 30 cents in the dollar tomorrow. What do you guys want? You want it? And quite often they would say, no, we don't want it. We want our full payment or we want them to deal with a trustee, for example. Right. So individuals would find themselves worse off because they've been you know, delinquent for three years on their, on their credit now. Um, they've been paying fees to someone who hasn't solved the problem, um, but it is a service that's out there as a debt settlement agent. Got it. And we'll give you the best solution at the end of this, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. So credit counselors, Mm -hmm. we see lots of lovely, I've seen a a bunch of lovely television ads about credit counseling. They're Mm -hmm. thoughtful, kind people sitting down with you, helping you figure it all out. Mm -hmm. Not not always the best solution. Well, they can be all of that. They can be thoughtful and kind and very nice to deal with, but they can also be a collection agency, which is exactly what they are. So whether it's a not-for-profit or a for-profit collection agency um, or credit counselor, I invite anybody listening to just Google the name of the credit counselor and then look to Ontario's uh, Ministry of Consumer Services and you'll find they're registered as a collection agency. So what a credit counselor can do is give you a lot of, you know, helpful tips and, you know, coaching to help you, you know, have a good budget, But at the end of the day, their objective and how they're compensated is they're paid by the creditor to collect 100% of the debt back in a blended monthly payment with no interest. So the benefit is you'll save on the interest, but you won't save it all in the principal. You'll still have to pay back the debts in full. um, And you are dealing directly, essentially, with the creditor, with a collection agent, even though it might seem a little different than that. And see, and that's what the problem that I personally have with them is the seeming part, that they seem like they're something other than what they are. And I think that's really wrong. And I think that that really um, is just a, a awful thing for the regular consumer to have to deal with or to be aware of. It just shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah, well, if you look on CRA's website, there's a lot of transparency for registered charities. And if you look at some of the large credit counseling agencies and their um, you know their revenues, I believe one of them is north of fifteen million dollars in revenue. Um, their charitable activities last year, where they issued a tax receipt. So you think most charities, you you know, you give them some money to give you a tax receipt. That's most of their revenue, most of their business. It was less than one percent, less than 
half of 1% of that total revenue. Yeah. The rest of it was from the banks, basically paying them a commission for collecting debts on their behalf. Yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. All right, license insolvency trustees. Yeah, so obviously I'm a little bit biased here being a license insolvency trustee myself, uh, but we're the only independent, um, unbiased um uh, folks that are there to help you figure out what are your options legally to restructure your debts. So only a trustee can help you with a personal bankruptcy. Only a trustee can help you with a consumer proposal. And a trustee's job is to explain all of these options to you, as well as ones that don't include a trustee. So we have to be able to explain to you about consolidating your debt, about going to see a credit counselor, about considering debt settlement. And then if the best option you choose is to deal with a trustee, we can help you with a bankruptcy or with a proposal. And and when you say legally, you're federally regulated. Regulated. And I know you Absolutely. say that term all the time, mm-hmm. but it's really important. You're the only one that's under those very specific rules. This is how to do it. And that includes what you would pay yep. Sands and Associates uh, or what their fee would be for you to go through the bankruptcy or the consumer proposal. And it's all dictated by law. Yeah, everything is set by government tariff. Um, every trustee in Canada, it's a free consultation to sit down with the trustee and figure out what your options are. And there's no, um, you know, conflicts of interest. There's no, we're working on behalf of the lenders and not for you. We're independent officers of the court. My job is just to make sure everyone abides by the rules. That includes the individual. They've got to be honest with us and disclose everything, but it includes the government, the banks, everybody else. They've just got to back off when a trustee is involved. They can't do anything against the person once they filed with a trustee. Okay. So do you want to, in closing out this segment, we just have about a minute or so, uh, The oh, talk about the overall fees that you should be aware of or be sure to find out about before you commit to work with any of the debt, debt help professionals? Yeah, I think just given the time constraints, so be aware yeah. that any individual who's not a trustee is typically going to charge you fees on top of whatever arrangement they can work out. Um, so, you know, quite often if it's a debt settlement agent, you'll be paying a fee that can be very significant and that fee gets paid regardless of whether they solve the problem or they don't solve the problem. When you're dealing with a trustee, everything is set by the government. Uh, If you're doing a consumer proposal, for example, you might be paying $200 a month to deal with about $40,000 of debt, um, and the trustee would be getting a portion of that $200, nothing separate from you. Everything is paid by government tariff. It's really important to remember. And listen, if you've got more questions or you're not too sure about something, go to the Sands and Associates website at sands-trustee.com. It's chock-a-block full of good questions and really thoughtful, easy-to-understand answers. And then you can figure out your next step. And if that's uh, by giving them a call, this is their toll-free number, 1-800-661-3030. Or again, visit the website at sands-trustee.com. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.